All right, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, a podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. My name is Nosa Iyari, and I welcome you to another episode. Uh, today, I have Miss Mayara Saldara, all the way from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. How's it going, Mayara? Hi, Nosa. Thank you for inviting me today. I'm great. I'm great today. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm I'm doing well, thank you. Like I remember when we we're talking about the similarities between and by the way, we're coming off the Copa America competition. Unfortunately, Bra- uh, Argentina beat Brazil in that yeah. competition. So <laughs> how did you guys yeah. take it? Like I know you guys are used to winning competitions over there, but well, what did what did it feel like on the streets of Brazil when Argentina won and Messi was lifting that trophy? Honestly, for me this one, only, only this one, was great, great news for me. What? Just what? because. <laughs> you are Brazilian, <laughs> I know, I know, I know that controversial opinion. But I think it's like right now, I don't think we are in a time in Brazil, you know, the COVID situation here is horrible, you know. And this didn't supposed to happen here in Brazil. Like, uh, I don't agree with president situation here and stuff like that, you know, it's just too bad. And he was pushing this competition to start. And I think this is very disrespectful competition for all the people that we lost here in Brazil, over half of a million people, you know. And the president wow. put like sport exactly. And the president put like sport over everything, and he's still like saying stuffs against science and stuffs like chloroquine is good and stuff like that. So it's just like I didn't care. I told to myself, I'm not gonna watch this. I'm not gonna see what's going on with the games. I don't care. And honestly, I I prefer Brazil lose because we we need to learn your lesson, you know. So. Yeah, not not like of course I don't like to I don't like to lose for Argentina. We have like not a fight, but you know, we don't like to. There's lose a rivalry other, there know. between Brazil and Argentina, like historically. Like a lot yeah, of people exactly. internationally were happy for Messi though, because this was like his first major international trophy, and he hasn't won one before. So they started that argument again about, okay, see, Ronaldo won the 2016 Euro. Now Messi has won the Copa America. Now we can start arguing about who's the better player, like Ronaldo or Messi. But man, that's that's pretty interesting. But we're also talking about a lot of similarities between Brazil and Nigeria, you know. Um, obviously, like, there you know, a lot of um, historically Black people in, in Brazil, uh, you know, the Yoruba tribe especially, like, there are a lot of traditions that, present in Nigeria and also like present in Brazil. And you were telling me some of the foods are like similar, similar. like you tell me like, what, what was the Brazilian name of the food? And I'll tell you that this is a Nigerian version. We also have that. And it was just interesting to to, to see that as well. Have you, have you ever been to like a Nigerian restaurant or like had Nigerian food to kind of like see how similar it is with uh, Brazilian food? So honestly, when I went to California as an au pair in my exchange, I lived in a Nigerian family, a host family from Nigeria. So the parents was from Nigeria and the culture was very still from there, you know? So I ate some food, for example, rice and beans. We are big fans of rice and beans here in Brazil as well. A food that some people does here in Brazil, but I ate more when I was with this family was plantains you know, and uh, some some kind of meat, but I'm vegetarian myself, so I didn't eat that, that stuff. But yeah, 
So it's similar. It's kind of similar. I don't know if some food here in Brazil like it's that similar to food in Nigeria. I guess so. But for example, farofa. You we were talking about this another day. You know, so you have something like this in Nigeria too. So yeah, I think it has a lot of Brazil has like influence from everywhere basically. So I don't know. I feel like. Here we have a lot of some food from from the continent of Africa, but I kind of don't know which place of Africa and stuff because we lost a lot of track. You know yeah, what happened yeah. here. So I, I can only imagine like a, a lot lost in tra- translation and you know with history and things being retold and all these things with like a lot of things going on. You know your English is also like very impressive. Like you grew up speaking like Portuguese. And you know, you you went to the U.S. for for a brief while, and now like I can talk to you, I can understand you, you can understand me. Like, how long were you in the U.S. and how long did it take you to like learn English? I lived in U.S. for two years and a half, I guess. Yeah, two years and a half. So basically, wow, that's it. Yeah. I don't think if I live in Brazil for yeah, two years, it. I'll be able to learn Portuguese that quickly. Also, I saw a person here in Brazil that he was here for six months, I guess, and he was pretty good in Portuguese too. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess, it depends, for example, if I go to the United States and I stay only with Brazilian friends, I'm not going to learn anything, you know? So you need to really to dive inside the culture, dive inside the language so you can speak that much of and have a lot of vocabulary. So, for example, when I wasn't in my first three months, I was really investing to understand because when I went to the first family, I couldn't understand anything. Sometimes I need the Google Translate to talk to them and stuff like that, you know? So I was kind of annoyed by that. And I was like, I wanted to express myself and I just can't. It's just super annoying, you know? You are determined to learn the language. Exactly, exactly. And it's funny, you know, it's like, First, first, uh, first month, I was like, oh, I'm having a huge headache, you know, it's too much English <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> I can't take it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but in funny too, because here in Brazil, like, in school, we need to have English in school, but it doesn't work well, you know, basically, depending on the school, but most of school, we basically learn verb to be like the whole time in school. It's nothing like that we really can get out of school talking with people and stuff like that. Nothing really useful. And I used to be horrible in English class. I used to be like take zero in, in my in my exams, fail everything, you know? And uh, every time I need to go to school class in English, I was like, I don't need this, Brazil, don't speak Portuguese. Why I need, I'm sorry, Brazil, don't speak in English. Why I need this damn language? Why they can't understand Portuguese, you know? Right, <laughs> right, like right. I used to hate English so much, so bad. And then when I was kind of lost in my life and saying like, yo, I need to do something different. I want to get out of Brazil and yep. see what and, and that ultimately like became me. That ultimately became an advantage exactly. that you understood Portuguese but could learn English and now like you're bilingual. But, but like teach me some Portuguese. What are some simple words you can tell me that, okay, let me start learning from now. So when, when I'm in uh, 
uh, uh, Brazil eventually and I get lost, I, I can tell people that, oh, okay, uh, can you help me locate this place and things like that? Just simple everyday words I can use on the street. Uh, just to greet some people, you can say, oi, or hola. Hola. Uh -huh. It's not Spanish, guys. It's not Spanish, it's Portuguese, okay? Oh, <laughs> some really? Some people make this mistake. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's in Spanish and in Portuguese as well. Like in Spanish, you write with H-O-L-A, and in Brazil, it's O-L-A. Oh, hola, hola, hola. Without the H, you say the okay, same. hola. Exactly, exactly. Hola, como você está? Tudo bem? Hey, it's hey, like hey, hey, slow down, Mayara. <laughs> slow, hey, you, you know that headache you say you had when you were learning English? You're, you're giving me a headache right now, so let's yeah. take this one step at a time. So pronounce it very slowly and let me repeat it. Como você está? Como você está? Exactly, exactly, como, very como good. Como você está? Como você está? Okay, exactly. what is that? It's like, how are you doing? How oh, that's kind of like, como estás, right? Yeah, yeah. It's similar to, to Spanish at some point, you know. Uh, I used to have some friends in the United States that uh, speak Spanish. And it's like, it's, it's, it's strange and funny at the same time. Because, for example, if they're speaking Spanish very fast, I can pick it up like one, two words, you know, but I can understand anything. But if they start like to slow down and stuff like that, I can kind of understand, you know, a little bit the context of the conversation and stuff like that. And I think it's the same for them. Yeah, yeah. But it's two different languages. You so know? that means you might even be multilingual. Like you understand Portuguese, you can understand some Spanish yeah. and then you speak English. Yeah, look at yeah. you. I can understand some Spanish. It's just like um, I, I need like... To, if I want to speak Spanish, it's way harder, you know, because I really like to really study and stuff like that. But for listening, it's a bit easier. Oh, that makes sense. So tell me, tell me one more word before we go on with the interview. Like, como você está? That's like kind of like, how are you doing? But what else can I learn? How are you doing? Um, I don't know, actually. <laughs> Let me see. Como você está? Hoje é um dia ensolarado. Like today, it's a um, sunny day. Gian. Hoje, hoje. Hoje. É. É. Um. Um. Dia. O, hoje é um dia. Ensolarado. 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 Oh, that, that's a harder <laughs> one. Come on. Give me the easy stuff. Come on, Mayara. You're killing me. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> it comes so easy for you. Do you know what's going to... I'm going to take that challenge. You know what? I'm going to take that challenge and see if by the time you fly, you become a, a flight attendant and, and fly back past Denver. Maybe we can have like a 10 minutes interview in Portuguese. I will see how that works out. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Now we're talking. <laughs> okay, now we're talking. Oh man, but you're, you're currently in Rio de Janeiro, right? Which is obviously a very popular city in Brazil. It's not the capital of Brazil, Brasilia, I know that much, but did you, did you grow up in Rio? Like where did you grow up? Uh, what was it like growing up for you like in Brazil? Yeah, I grew up in here. I was born and grew up in here. And life here, uh, honestly, the first 10 years I lived like in one neighborhood that wasn't the best neighborhood, but still, you know, I lived in um, inside of building like with some security, but still not a great between like one favela and another favela and my building. Favela? In the What's a favela? A house? So, for, no, favela, it's basically like, huh, how to say that? Like, it's it's less, it's less. Like, like the poor part of, of uh, a community, you know, the most poor, 
But here in Brazil, it's basically like the favelas in Rio is a lot of favelas in Rio. And on most of them, it's like in the mountains and stuff like that. But some of them, it's not. But mostly in the mountains with a lot of houses, the, you know, poor houses with poor pupils and stuff. And with a lot of traffic and sometimes too. You know, not every favela is dangerous and stuff like that. But most of them here in Rio de Janeiro is, it, you know. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So basically, my life was first 10 years was inside this building between one favela and another one. And then I moved to another neighborhood that was a little bit better, you know. But my mother got some problems with her ex and stuff like that. So we need to move it out again. And then we moved uh, how to old were you? How old were you when you guys moved to the better neighborhood? And how old were you when you moved out of the better neighborhood? So... 10, 10 years I get out of this building between favelas and then I moved to Ilha do Governador and this was like 11 years old and I get out of the, there with 13 years old, you know? So, yeah. And then I moved to another neighborhood. I moved a lot, so <laughs> be prepared. Right, right. <laughs> I did too. I can remember that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so I moved back to to Jacarepaguá, and Jacarepaguá was basically my whole teenager. Were, were these different but... states in Brazil or all within the same state or region? No, same, same city, same oh, everything. Same city, just, just different, different areas. Okay, yeah. Different neighborhoods. Just different areas, exactly. So I've been a lot here around here, de Janeiro, in the city. Uh, the only place that I've never been, unfortunately, is the rich area of Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah, but yes. Then I moved to Jacarepaguá, and then I moved to another. Uh, when I get out of, of Ilha do Governador, one neighborhood here in Brazil, and I moved to Jacarepaguá, I was like in a poor, poor school. First time that I went to this school that was not, I would say that, like, the school was, the education wasn't good enough and stuff like that. Like, the median the median to pass was too low and stuff like that. I didn't push the students that hard, you know, and stuff like that. It was a public school, and my mom wasn't like... Is this where they were trying to teach you the English where you were complaining or that was a different school? No, this school, I need to worry if they have class or not. You know, sometimes I get inside the school and it's like, oh, today doesn't have class, go back home, you know, and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So, yeah. The, this one, and then I moved to, honestly, uh, actually, I moved only for school, in another school that was a little bit better, like, not military school, but based on military way of, of teaching and stuff like that. So, yeah, so it was a bit more pushing and stuff like that. My mom made a way to put me in. I don't know how, but, but she put me in there. Wait, were you an only you child? Know. Was it just you and your mom? Only me, only me and my mom. I don't know if this is good or bad, you know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe that so, yeah. explains a little bit about the, you know, I, I don't, I, like, I'm not a therapist or anything, but maybe, like, when you talk about, you know, being, having a little anxiety or shyness, because, you know, I'm I'm a little shy and, and things like that, but I, I had an older brother and people who always beat me and, you know, made fun of me and people to interact with and all that stuff. So maybe that, that helped out a little bit that I was not always, like, alone in my thoughts, but we have, like, really Really similar experiences even though we grew up in different places like Brazil and Nigeria my dad was in the military I moved a lot uh, around a lot as well now and I did go to a military boarding school that did all the military drills and all that stuff but 
One thing that I really like to touch on, and you might be the perfect person to talk about this, is, you know, like, and we're just going to jump out there and call it out. Like, it's like racism and like colorism within the Brazilian community. Like, so starting from when you were very little, right? Like, what were some of the things you were noticing as a little girl that was 11 years old moving from this neighborhood to that neighborhood? Was there a difference between how, like, children who were, like, darker or teachers or friends people we are just seeing around who are like darker and people who are a little lighter were being treated like could you like notice yeah. that even as a kid and what were some of the instances that that you could say you experienced yeah definitely honestly like the first the first house that i lived in oh. until up my 10 years i didn't know this i was really little and it also was my only experience whole neighborhood that i was living before so i was basically was like, yeah, that's my place. i'm sorry to cut you short but our neighborhoods in brazil like all black neighborhoods and all colored neighborhoods or people are mixed and different things no no honestly it's it's different um how to that i'm gonna go back a little bit in slavery time very quick just so you understand so basically like when portuguese people came and bring out the the black people from african stuff like that and everything happened you know what happened and then when it stopped slavery and they end with this stuff and has a law for that they didn't do anything for black people's like to having actually a house and actually get education and stuff like that they just say yeah we explore you the whole life and now you're free, now you're and, free. Do whatever no you want by, and the meal nothing. you know exactly exactly so what happened with these people they was basically like getting together and doing their own communities you know but the first of all they was in the center of rio de janeiro and they like stay inside of some houses and stuff like that but like they are poor they have nowhere to go they have no jobs they don't know how to speak properly the language and stuff like that so there was basically like with so many families like 10 20 15 families in the same house all together and the government here in Brazil back then they was trying like to how to say that trying to be like basically uh europe style you know so they was basically like we need to clean the streets we need to clean brazil we need to clean everything and they didn't want the poor people black people that was has before has like a lot of reasons still going on and, and, I, and I can imagine like the governor and people in government were like of the lighter skin right exactly exactly so basically even inside even inside the slavery time you know for example if you're dark skin you go to um, the plantations and do the hard job and stuff like that if your skin is lighter you go inside the house and be the maid you know so it has this difference already at this time. And then when the slaves was free and stuff like that, they didn't want the slaves like in the center of the city occupying there with like no good clothes and stuff like that. So they just like starting to putting people out of the house and say you cannot live here anymore and you need to you need to find some some place to go wow, you know? so they just so exiled thousands of people from their exactly homes? exactly with nothing you know wow. and like, this was real they just here de janeiro exactly here in, in rio de janeiro it happens in other states too but here in janeiro this was like very big thing so this happened and what these people, these black communities did, they went to the big mountains, you know, like nobody was there because it has no electricity, has no like running water, has like no waste uh, way to get out and stuff like that. So they went there because it was the only place that 
why people wasn't there. You Where know? do you call the place? What mountains? So, favelas. Okay, favelas, right. You know, they create a favela. They was in these mountains and in this, this stuff, and they create a favela. It's like a community that has a lot of houses and stuff that they do in the way that they can. They, they like to build the houses in the way that they can. So sometimes you're going to see like crazy stuff, like how just houses can even stay up, you know. But it's what people have to do to have some house. So they did that, and and this this is what this is what became like the favela was one big favela back that time, and then more black people and more black people going to the favelas because they wasn't welcoming the city, they wasn't welcoming the streets and stuff like that, you know. So back this time, I think they have some black community and stuff like that, but also has like the how to that the colorism that they say. Like we we don't have racism anymore. We free we all the slaves are free now and stuff like that. Everybody has the same conditions. But of course, no. Who has the same conditions? You don't have like house, water, electricity, and everybody. All the white people back then like was rich that they got all all money from plantation and slavery and trade of slavery and stuff like that, right? So yeah. So basically, was that and then. It's it starts becoming more and more so so now nowadays you still have a lot of favelas here in Brazil and also some people from other states that's like more poor, more poor states and stuff like that. They come to Rio de Janeiro, they come to Sao Paulo, they come like to big cities to try have a better life and stuff like that. And they go inside the favela because it's like the place that they can because inside like the Rio, like for example, outside of the favelas, outside in the neighbors that has, you know, it's too expensive and they can't afford it and stuff like that. You know, that, that's so, yeah. interesting. Sorry to cut you short, but I don't know if this video was popular in Brazil growing up, but it was popular all over the world. This Snoop Dogg and Pharrell video where they shot it in Brazil, where you have all those houses together. And I think tourists usually take tours where you have all the steps and, you know, that the tiles are on the steps and all those things. Can you classify those as favelas? Like that whole community, are, are those favelas as well? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it, if I remember everything about this clip, but I think it's an about shoot. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a large community, like in kind of like the a slummy kind of area with like all these steps. And it never really sat well yeah. with me when I was younger to see why would yeah. people want to just take a tour around poverty and see it's kind of like almost they're mocking people who are living there and saying you know oh like like why would people why would there be a tourist destination in a get in a ghetto place and looking down on how people live that that never sat down sat well with me. it's a yeah it's it it is a favela and it has a lot of people that discuss that nowadays and say like Still nowadays it happens, you know, the tourists come to inside the favela and see, oh, look at this, how these people are poor and stuff like that, you know? And I guess, like, tourists, they they just, for, for the tourists, for the view of tourists, I think they're just like, oh, I'm going to do a different trip, you know? I'm not going to Brazil to do what everybody does. Everybody I'm going does. to do something different. But now that became what yeah. everybody did because it became an attraction exactly. on its own. But who even gets the money from all those tourist uh, visits? Is it the society themselves that gets it or is it still going back to the Brazilian government? 
No, yeah, in person, honestly, if I, I don't live in the favelas right now, but if I want like to open, um, I don't know, a trip visit here in Brazil and say, look, you can come with me to the favela and I'm going to show you around and stuff like that. I got the money. You get all the money. But it. I guess you pay taxes, you, right? You still pay the government some money. So indirectly, the government is still profiting off of that. Yeah. Yeah, indirectly, yeah, we need to pay, we need to pay and stuff like that. Government. Is taxes a big thing in Brazil? (laughs) Like in Nigeria, it's the wild, wild west. Like, catch me if you can. Like, it's not like the U.S. where everyone's required to pay taxes. In Nigeria, the government tends to focus on the bigger corporations and things like that because they start to chase everyone for taxes. Like, I'm sure there are people in Nigeria who have lived there for 30 years and have never paid taxes. It's not like the government are using the taxes that are being paid anyway to the betterment of the country. So the government just tends to focus on like the bigger companies, like the oil companies, the banks. And maybe if you are in a structured job, like you're a lawyer and they can track you, they can get your taxes. But if you're just like a, a trader or you, you have a shop somewhere, like they, they might not be able to track you. And you do everything on money and you, that's it. Right, right, right. I got it, I got With it. Cash and- no, here in Brazil, here in Brazil, the taxes, it's like, it's complicated and sad because, for example, the most tax that we do is not like uh, what me, what people's make, you know? It's in the product. Everything in the product, they put so much tax in the product. So, for example, if you go to the so grocery like value store- value-added tax, consumption tax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you go to the grocery store, it's so crazy expensive. So many people have no money to eat, you know, because it's they put most of the tax in their product and some of the tax are of what you really make. And the problem is they try to do this same system of the United States, like progressive taxes. But when it becomes to rich people, big companies and stuff like that, they say like, yeah, you don't need to pay this tax over here. You don't need to pay that tax over here. You don't need to pay that tax over here. Exactly. So they pay way less than the poor people. Way less, you know? So so it's just like they make a lot of money. They pay almost nothing. And we don't do a lot of money. And we need to pay like a lot to have anything, to have food, to have like a computer, a cell phone. It's the same to, thing. It's the same thing all over the world. Like Amazon is paying no tax. Meanwhile, every individual person is like paying little taxes and things like that. That's pretty interesting. Can you remember the first time you came to the U.S.? Because I remember the first time, like when I visited the U.S., I I wanted to buy a sneaker online or something. And they were like, okay, let me just buy some shoes that, you know, I I can go back home and I'll say, okay, I bought this shoe from the U.S. or whatever. And when I went there, the shoe was like, I don't know, like what? 40 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. I'm like, oh, I can buy this. And by the time I was at checkout, it was now like 70 bucks or something. I'm like, well, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, oh, because in Nigeria, like the price is the price. If they tell you something is 10 bucks, the tax is already incorporated into that sticker price. And that 10 bucks is 10 bucks. But the US, they'll tell you only the price without the taxes. So when you're checking out, they'll now add the taxes. And it's so it was always so confusing to me. I was like, why, why are you doing things like this? Why are you making things so difficult for people? Yeah, in Brazil, it's the same. It's like we have the whole taxes inside the price already, so we don't need to worry about. And every time I went to a store in the United States and was like, why, why, why is this price like bigger? 
what's going on here, you know? When I went to buy my iPhone, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna buy my iPhone now, my first iPhone of my life, because here in Brazil is ridiculously expensive. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And I was going to the store and I was like, yeah, 1,000 iPhone, great. And then 1,100. And, 1, and I was like, right. why? <laughs> right. what, what, what's going on? Right, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then just then. Know, yeah, right? yeah, basically, basically that just happened. Yeah, so let, let, let's come back to like the issue of race. So I live in the U.S., right, but I'm also Nigerian. I'm Nigerian, so I love soccer. And when you love soccer, of course, you know the Brazilian national team. But if you ask the average American, like what he or she thinks a Brazilian look like, they might say, I don't want to speak for everybody, but they might, you know, have a picture of like Giselle, Giselle Bunchkin or, you know, Alexander Ambrosio, all these like Victoria's Secret models. And, and those guys are, are like like more lighter complexion, almost like kind of like white looking with like blonde, straight hair, that kind of thing. But if you ask me what a Brazilian looks like, me being Nigerian and watching like Ronaldo and Ronaldinho play and all these people and Carlos and all these people, I'd say it's a little more like, um, um, you know, not as light as the models, but a little lighter. But if you ask an average Brazilian, do, do you actually see like full on like black people who look like me? who are Brazilians. So if you were to like, like, it's just so interesting to see the differences in that regard. So if you were to say like, not not that we're classifying people, but if you were to give someone a sense of the different types of people who are found in Brazil, and I know that there are certain names, some are derogatory, some are not, that are used for certain colors of people. What would you say to that? That, oh, there, there are three, uh, not three types of people, or three shades of, of skin or four shades of skin that can be found in Brazil. And, you know, these people are called this, this these people are usually found in this place, these people, like, how would you, like, explain that to someone who's not Brazilian? So that's hard because how, how you know, Brazil, we can look like everyone in this planet. Like, we can look like Asian, we can look like people from Africa, like Nigerian people, we can look like people from the United States, we can look like people from Europe, you can look like everybody, you know? So basically, it, it's like, it's even an issue here in Brazil because, for example, we say that we have black people. Uh, how to say that? Like, we call pardo here in Portuguese, but we you can say pardo, exactly. You can say, like, brown people, you know, between white and black, you know. White people, they are indigenous people, and the yellow people is Asian people, you know. Those are just five so, different groups you just mentioned right now. Black people, yeah, pardo, white people. You said yellow people and indigenous people? Uh, indigenous and yellow, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yellow are the Asian people. So, yeah, basically we have this, like, for, for how to say that, like, to, to see what we have in your society nowadays and stuff like that. But in the mind of the people here in Brazil, it's kind of different. As I told you, because racism has a big hole here in Brazil and stuff like that. And we have this issue with colorism and stuff like that. So people that it's black, but they are lighter skin. So they are called like pardo people. They tend to do not say that they are black. They tend to say that they are white. Interesting. You know? or, or they say that they are pardo and stuff like that. But for... And does a, does a pardo person also have like thick hair like a black person or they might have more silky smooth kind of hair for me for me my opinion pardo is every pardo is black people you know like they are cool like that like if you see like some government website here in Brazil and say like that they do like research and they put all together black and pardo community so 
this community make yeah so this community make like black plus brown people it makes more than 50 percent of Brazilians, more than 50 percent of black Brazilians here because they put it all together but it's hard for people to recognize that they are black because sometimes even for me it's hard to say like they are very light skin it's still not as white but light skin and sometimes straight hair but it has like a little bit a bigger nose a little bit a bigger mouth and they always like who i don't know what I, I am i feel like i am in the between and i never know what i am and stuff like that so we have like some kind of shoes with that but i say in my personal opinion i don't want to talk to everybody but in my personal opinion if you are not straight like white person you are black or you are indigenous or you asian you know has no other way because if you are not straight like why you know of course you're black right you know? right i mean That's that makes a lot of sense what about the indigenous people like what, what like what would you say like the population right would you say there are a lot more black people in the country or pardo people are more or i can imagine the indigenous people are just a little bit you know of the population but what would you like say who holds more sway in the community as far as numbers and population? So black people, black people with the pardos as well, all together, it make more than 50%, I guess, nowadays is between 54, 57% or something like that. Mm -hmm. So more than the half the population, people, right? Yeah, more than half of the population. White people is the second one biggest, I guess. I don't remember the person right now. And then, like... Asian and indigenous, I think I think indigenous is a little bit less than Asians because like everything they did to indigenous community here in Brazil and stuff like that with colonialism stuff, you know. So I think they are very little, little communities right now, still fighting a lot for their rights and stuff like that. But yeah, so I, I think it's indigenous less and then Asian, the white and then black people, you know. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, and what would you say? Obviously, like we hear all the stories people who live outside Brazil, that colorism is such a huge issue. Like I was watching like a YouTube video and, you know, it was in Brazil and a, a mother, they were asking mothers that what would you prefer your daughter to marry? Like a black man or, or, or white or, or maybe a part or even a white person. And most of the mothers were saying, oh, that I'll, I'll want my children to marry white people because if they do, then my grandchildren will not be as discriminated as I was discriminated. That kind of thing. You hear stories that black people don't really like advance in government and there's this whole issue of colorism and it, it, it it's sickening because it's almost like the South African issue because how would black people be 57% or you know more than 50% of the population meanwhile they're the ones being like more marginalized like what's your your take on like colorism in general in the whole in the whole Brazil how, how does it rear its head like does it happen in the family do people wish their children get married to white people do people treat white people better than black people do, do, do white people oppress black people are they cases of like overt racism and things like that in brazil like what what's your general take on that you're right on everything you say it's it's exactly how it works for example uh i like to say that they the government here in brazil back at the time they wanted like to make us they they really it was like a polite way to put people more white people they was trying to put us just like europe is you know so they, they was like to trying to to make black people 
get married with white people. So there was basically like in every generation, more white and more white and more white, you know? So basically, like as I told you before, you know, like black people in Brazil, they learn how to hate ourselves, you know? So, and also, and also like it's like a parameter, you know, for example, black people like dark skin, they lie in the bottom of pyramid, and then lighter skin a little bit more, has more privilege wait, 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 and wait, stuff wait. like that. When you say the parliament, you're talking about like Congress, like the Senate in Brazil, right? No, 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 no. No, like like a parameter of privilege in oh, Brazil. Oh, privilege, got race, it. You know? Okay. Yeah, based on race. So basically, like black people, they has little, little to nothing privilege here in Brazil. You know, when you say and they don't, they... when you say black people don't have privilege, does that mean if I go to a hotel as a black person and I ask for a room and there's a white person there waiting for a room, there's more likely they they attend to the white person first before me, kind of thing, or no? How does it happen? How do? Or it's just like no, no, it's not like this. It's not. It's not like a segregation like happens in the United States. It's not the same thing. But it's like, for example, if you go to a fancy mall, you're gonna go to inside your store, and you're gonna tell that has like, for example, a security guard around you, even way often than a white person. You know, if you go to a jewelry store or something like that, and the the woman that is the the sales person, they're gonna probably go straight to the white person, assuming you don't have money enough to uh, that star, you know? Subtle ways. So, Interesting. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. So basically is that, for example, and this is so, it, it's like, it's not aggressive all the time. It is aggressive, but like with people like me that looks like me and the woman special and stuff like that, it's not that aggressive. But at the same time, for example, I was studying fashion designing in a fancy neighborhood here in Brazil, in a rich neighborhood here in Brazil. And I open a mall that's like only with the biggest stores from across the world, you know, like Dior and Chanel and stuff like that's impossible for me to buy. But that's matter nobody knows how much i have in my in my wallet and stuff like that and it was it was important for me to go to this mall to to understand because i was doing fashion design so everything everything that had in this mall i i needed to see you know and i never have the courage to go because i was too afraid to have somebody looking at me you know and staring at me and maybe like thinking I will watch this, this black girl is doing here, you know, probably she don't have money to be here and wow. stuff like and, that. And sometimes, I is it that. black people also making these assumptions against other black people? Sometimes, you talked about the self-hate yeah. in the black community, like, yeah, they see their fellow brother and they just, based off what society has taught them subconsciously over the years, they just assume that, oh, you might not really have money, even though you look like me and I'm supposed to be your kinfolk, you just assume that, oh, the other person might have money. You see that as well? The, yeah, the problem with this is because, for example, some Black people, they don't really realize they are Black, you know? They don't really realize they don't have this kind of privilege that white people have, you know? And then, they, they when they look at you, and they think, for example, maybe you are threat. Maybe you, you know, and it just happened to me myself. I am very ashamed to say that. But like at some point in my life, like when I was aware, when I wasn't like really reading more about racism and stuff like that and how this work out here in society in Brazil. Sometimes I was like just walking through a street and I see a black guy and I was like, whoa, go into another street. It might be dangerous, you know. And why why I don't do that? Why I didn't do that with white white guy? You know, it's the same 
it's the same exactly exactly and and uh, as i was explaining another day like in the tv why we stay all the time like in the police and stuff black people shooting with police and stuff like that and then in a tv showing a novel like black people are always showing like a bad guy as a traffic as whatever you know or also black people are always playing a whole as a slavery and stuff like that so it's just like you getting this information out every day in your life, you start thinking that, yeah, that's a threat. Yeah, that it's not great. You know, I don't want to just my life as well. And you don't see yourself like, you don't see the color that you is the same color him and you might have the same, the same treatment that white people give to him and give to you, you know? So yeah, it's just very sad. And sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not like, it's not like I'm saying every black person is like this. No, nowadays, a lot of black people like study more, a lot of black people are getting more aware about racism and stuff like that and have like raising the voice and stuff like that, you know? So it's not everybody, thankfully. I think this is changing nowadays, but it's still a lot of people, a lot of black people don't see really what's going on. For example, internet, sometimes I get in a lot of discussion about this and I see, unfortunately, a lot of black people saying like, oh, you're complaining too much about that. Oh, this is, we call me, yeah. We call like me, me, me is a word. Sorry, like, say that again. Me, 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 me it's me. like, yeah, it's it's basically like, oh, you're talking too much about this, you're worrying too much about this, uh, basically saying like, your pain is not that big deal, you know? So, and I see black people talking about this when we, when we pointed out a issue, when we say, look, you're wrong, you're doing this and something like that. I have some black people that comes to me and say, oh, you complain too much, oh, you are victimizing yourself and stuff like that. And it was like, no. That's kind of, that's like, almost like a version of what you see in the U.S. between like the social justice warriors and the conservatives, where you have conservatives like Candace Owen, who is black and says that no, she's not oppressed as a black person. And then you have other people like on the Black Lives Matter side and all that thing saying that, hey, there's a systemic issue going on here we have to correct. But but it's interesting, like I want to touch on something you mentioned, you know, about the media self-hate that sometimes these uh, behaviors are even coming from fellow black people and not just people of another color. Like I've said this on the podcast a couple of times, like me growing up, I was led to believe that people who smoke are bad people growing up in Nigeria, right? So I grew up with a mentality that hey you know my mom always tell me and even like society in general like oh anybody that smokes is most likely a criminal they've been to jail before you know they are they are they are they are a robber you know they are most like a, a thief or something like they're just a general bad person and just it's just a society in general you know you just pick up on these cues and i was also led to believe that people who wear glasses like uh, reading glasses are gentle people very intelligent they know a lot of math people. you know they might yeah. be a computer scientist all these things and i I was eight years old or nine years old or whatever and i saw someone wearing the glasses smoking a cigarette on the street and i was asking <laughs> my mom like i'm confused like what is going on like is this person a retired criminal who is now a gentle and intelligent that whole like it just goes to show like the conditioning like you talked about the media that black people always portrayed in bad light and it just gives you a sense of oh these people are lesser than in a way which is more of a systemic issue but boy if i were to ask you like a personal question just for context yeah. in this interview 
just just a second, very quick, and I'm sorry to cut you, just to say the same feeling that you have with the person smoking and wearing a glass, I had here in Brazil with a black person wearing a tie, wearing like um, oh, wow. a nice clothes like a and suit. stuff like that. Oh, wow. Exactly, a suit, being like in a nice hotel, being like in place that we are not used to see black people, you know? So I was like, whoa, is this supposed to happen? Is this black person supposed to be <laughs> that nice? To wear you know? Suits and <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry no, that's fine. I, I just wanted to ask you, like, uh, just for context, like what do you identify as? Like if you're feeling like a government form or something, like what box do you tick? I'm sorry, can you repeat this please? Um what 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 uh, like out of all those five uh uh I don't want to say races, those those five categories. We talked about like Pado, black, indigenous, yellow, oh, okay. and white. Like, what do you identify okay. as? Black, definitely. Okay. Look at my head. <laughs> I, I mean, I need to ask. Like, these days, you need to ask. Like, you never know. Like, you know, yeah. some people identify as different things. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. And, and it, it just goes to show the importance of representation, right? If you had grown up seeing more Black people, like, wearing a suit and tie, maybe you would have gravitated towards, oh, what does he do as a lawyer, as a banker? Like, you were even telling me this with YouTube, right? Like, you're currently in training on trying to be a flight attendant, right? And you were inspired by a fellow Brazilian who you saw on YouTube who became a flight attendant. And because of that, that led you to become a flight attendant. Like, you, you won't just know how deep representation goes until, like, you see the general effect, like, across the board, right? Do you know when when the representation did a big hole in my life was basically, like, I was taught my whole life that uh, my hair, my curly hair and kinky hair was bad, and I need to fix it. It was a problem with me, you know? And it, all the nice hair was straight hair and stuff like that. And all the guys is going to go to girls that had straight hair. So I was basically like, my mom, she was afraid of me going to school and make fun of because of my hair and stuff like that. So she started putting very bad chemicals on my head to make my head straight, my hair straight and stuff like that. Three years old. So little, little kid. Yeah. And then I, I, Keep doing that with my hair, doing hot chemicals and stuff. She was 24 years old. And only when I was 24 years old was when I become to to put my heel hair out and say, no, that's me. And I'm going to like do that. I'm not going to go to the salon anymore and basically like take 10% of my salary away, only my hair, because society tell me that I need to look like a white person's hair, you know? And this, just becoming like this because I was in YouTube and it's starting like a black creator coming YouTube and say, look, that's my hair. I am trying to take out of the all the chemicals and stuff like that. And I'm going to do the big shop now. Big shop means basically like cutting out the hair that was like straightened before and letting the, the natural hair come out and stuff like that. And I just realized that I could be beautiful like these girls on the internet 
because they was there was the show. I mean, you are beautiful. Like, so, you know? sorry to cut you short. Like, a lot, a lot of people might be listening to this on the audio, but I'm gonna tag her social media if I post this on the <laughs> culture class page. And if you go to her page, you wouldn't imagine that this is coming out of her mouth. Like, your hair, your hair is beautiful. You're beautiful in general, and for you just to be insecure just because of what society said just goes to show that man, it's kind of like a toxic situation and this happens in several other countries like not just brazil even the world in general yeah you're kind of like conditioned to think of yourself as lesser than i remember the, the first time i went to harvard like harvard business school and i just went there and i was walking around the campus and i was you know talking to people hey hi i went there for a conference you know and i was like these guys who go to harvard aren't smarter than me like what the hell is like <laughs> like what the, why have, have i always thought that oh if you if you went to harvard like, I, I didn't even imagine applying to harvard like, oh that's beyond my reach i'm not that smart like these guys aren't Exactly. You know. Exactly. It happens to me when I was walking around Stanford, and I was like, "Look at these people. They are just like me." You know, <laughs> what what's wrong with me? It has nothing different. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what happened to me once here? That it, it, these small things that happens to you that make you start thinking something's wrong with you. For example, once I was working on a store, like a rich store for fancy people and stuff like that. And of course, all the sales girls in this store was like white and with straight hair and stuff like that. And I was working on the back with like all the clothes and stuff like that. So one, one day we decided to go to a party here in Brazil, here in Janeiro. And once we, we get in of this party, like all the boys went to just go to like like animals you know like yeah you come here i want to talk to you and stuff like that and i was left to that alone you know and i knew it why i knew it's because my hair i knew it's because i am not like them i knew it that was why you know and i was like dude it's not possible i am that horrible you know that no one wants to stay with me and stuff like that you know and this this is something that a lot of black people study here that's like the loneliness of black community here in brazil because this happened a lot you know and the even for black people like to see all the black people as beautiful people it takes a lot of time you know so many black people go looking like for white persons and that it's what the standards of society, you know, this is pretty, this is beautiful, this is well suited people, you know, and stuff like that. So you wanna take this kind of people, you don't want people like you because it's not good, you know. But I just I just learned myself that I am not this, I'm beautiful, I can be so succeed in life, I can be everything that any white person can be, you know. After, yeah, after these videos on YouTube, when these black creators are starting doing the videos, cutting the hair and saying, look at my hair, I'm beautiful. This is the way of you taking care because I didn't know how my hair looked like. I started in chemicals with three years old, so I didn't know anything about my hair, you know. I didn't know how to take care of this. I didn't know anything. So basically, like, I, I basically, like, only with 24 years old, I realized that has, I am beautiful, I am capable, and stuff like that. Uh, right, so, yeah. right. Is I mean, still speaking, touching on this topic of self-hate, is bleaching a thing or, let, should I say, skin toning a thing in Brazil? Because in Nigeria, where I'm from, it's the same thing you were saying. Like, men generally tend to flock to lighter-skinned girls. So you see these beautiful Black girls who are teenagers, and they go get all these uh, lotion and chemical that can tone your skin. Some of them will go some kind of for some kind of treatment that like bleach your skin and make them. So you, if you see someone who 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 who's like 30 years old and see her picture when she was eight, 18, it might be like a darker 
you know, color, you know, that kind of thing. And, and they do that to be like more desired, more attractive to most men. There, there's even this thing called bride price in Nigeria, where if you're getting married, you're supposed to give some money to the family for taking their daughter, kind of like a tradition and custom. And you give more money for a, a, a lighter person than for a darker person. Like it, it's ridiculous, Whoa. you know, that, That's that, that crazy, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, is, that, is that also a thing in Brazil where people like tone their skin to try to be lighter or go for some of these treatments and things like this to, to kind of like enhance their skin tone to be lighter and things like that? Is that an issue? So not really. Nowadays, I don't think so. Like I heard about one story before, like I was a, a person that was like, we used to walk to my auntie and she was dark skinned and black. And she said when she was a teenager, she went to a, like she made like a little pool or something with bleach and try to put her, her skin a little bit lighter and stuff like that. But this was the only person that I heard about it. And I think it's why, because Brazilian, it's famous about like the, the tan skin, you know, the brown skin and stuff like that. So why people want to go to their beads and stuff like that to get that the tan, to get like the little bit darker skin and stuff like that? Yes. So I think that's why it's not like a shoe or something like that here. And not not like, for example, I guess more problems. I I am talking to myself because my my skin is not like that dark. But so I don't know. I can't speak like for people that has really dark skin because I don't know what it looks like. Like the experience of Britain's being Brazil is different between how lighter you are, how darker you are, what features you have, what features you don't have, and stuff like that. So for me, my experience, it's much more about features. You know, if you have like big nose, if you have like hair like me, like kinky hands, stuff like that, you know? And also, for example, before it was a thing about the mouth, like big mouth and stuff like that, but nowadays, Kardashians and stuff like that, so big mouth is trending and fun and cool, you know? Like some some years ago, the, um, the braids on the hair was like dirty, not good, only like people that that's not like, just the same for you that with smoke people, you know? like dread, dread dreadlocks and stuff, people that does not want nothing with life and stuff like that. And now it's trending and cool, you know? Yeah, basically it's this. I mean, it's pretty interesting. We can have this conversation all day about, you know, all these issues. And it's funny because Brazilian girls are so beautiful. Like everyone and their, and their, and their mother like admire Brazilian girls during all the beauty pageants and you hear all this thing about Brazilian hair I'd love to have Brazilian hair and BBL Brazilian butt lift and all these different everything Brazilian 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 is representing beauty and just to see that the people within the country that the whole world is admiring are not admiring themselves is just it's just kind of like it's just like shocking to me but what are some of the things you think uh, can be done like for the next generation because your mom lived in a different generation right she didn't have youtube to see someone who would inspire her the way you were inspired what are some of the things you think can be done like in the in the coming generation that can make things a little bit better i mean things can never be perfect but a little bit better like structurally and systemically to to reduce all these cases of colorism and, and discrimination that might be happening in brazil Definitely, definitely. It's, uh, the, the thing that for me is more important, some people would say like education and like better system of economic and stuff like this. But for me, none of this is more important than representative in the politics. 
you know? We need Black people in their community. We need Black people in their Congress. We need Black people speaking out for this. Not only Black people. We need Black people. We need Asian people. We need LGBTQ community people out there, you know? Because we are not being represented. Like, for example, I think I, I saw on internet these days that only 15% or less of the whole politicians in Brazil is Black people, you know? The most, the big majority white male cis, you know? So it's just like we are not being represented. So every law that they do, every stuff that they do is not made for us, not made for Brazilian society, you know? So we need people representing us in this part of society, making laws and make everything. And then, of course, more education. And then, of course, inequality here in Brazil is ridiculous, huge ridiculous huge and black people it is in this part of the inequality like not privilege and stuff like that so everything like so social economic and education but the most big important thing is in the politics because just like that we can like make society a little bit better you know yeah, that's very interesting. Like, it's the same across the world. A lot of things revolve around politics. Of course, there's education, there's all these things, but to change systemic issues, to actually pass laws, and not just for Black people to see themselves in politics, but for Black people's interests to be represented in politics, and not just Black people, like the diverse group of people. It makes for better decision-making when the, the, the politicians look like the yeah. people in the country, yeah. as diverse as they are and not, and all that differences. But and just, when I think, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And just like, for example, here in especially in Janeiro, I was talking to you about favelas and stuff. And most of communities in favela in Brazil are black people, right? So, and you can you can probably see about the police violence here in Brazil and stuff like that. And the most of this violence it is on the favelas, where black people, most black people, majority black people are, you know. And people still think like the everybody in the favela is like trafficking and bad people, bad guys and deserve death and stuff like that. So the the police go inside the favelas killing everybody and people you see people clapping and say yeah that's great it wasn't it wasn't like that it was like a cleaning you know in the favelas because everybody was trafficking and stuff like that and I was like, no, for example, last month or two months ago, something like that, they killed in one favela here in Rio de Janeiro, one of the most black favelas, you know, has the most majority of people who are black. And they killed like 20, 29, 28 people, 20, most of them black, most of them black. Like the police only knew like three people and stuff like that. And in the TV, the police go live in the TV saying how the people were trafficking. They don't even know the names, how they how they can say that they are trafficking if they don't even know the names, they don't even know who they kill, you know? And it's easy to say, oh, we go inside the favela and we kill everybody, everybody's black, everybody's the same, it has, you know? And that's it. And the rest of society say, yeah, great. And when we, like from the left of politics a little bit, we say, no, it's wrong, you know, they need to have the accountability for their actions and stuff like that. And I think that's different from here from United States is because we are too used to this stuff, you know? Like everybody, every every day, I'm sorry, every day we see that TV news, a black person dying every day and we don't do nothing, you know? Nothing happens. Like It's, it's like a global thing, police brutality and black people. We just had our NSAR 
highest thing in Nigeria in October last year. In the US, obviously happens every year. In the UK, with the Euro thing, we saw it like happen again. Like it's, I don't know. I know that I, in the United States, I know that in the United States, like not, I know that has a lot of black people that's been killed by police and stuff like that. And not every person makes to the journal, makes to the news and stuff exactly. like that. But, exactly. For every one George Floyd you have, there are like a yeah. hundred people who don't even make it out to the media. I know, but it's like, you see, George Floyd was a huge thing about all the wars and stuff like that. And the population of black people in the United States, like 13%, 14%. Yeah, 13%. Right? Mm-hmm. He, and and, and it, it doesn't it doesn't seem right for me because here in Brazil, we are the majority, we are more than 15%, and we don't enjoy nothing nothing you know mm. like we so, so is it a problem with organizing like why you usually have uh like communities like those flavelas and things like that around the world there's usually this person like i can that 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 rises this political figure that rises out of communities like that historically like you can always like most political whether it's mandela or you know uh, you know, if people consider Castro a political figure or Fela Kuti in Nigeria, like most times they, they oh, Fela Kuti was a little privileged, but you see them rise out of communities like that. Have, has there ever been someone that's been become like super popular that came from those favelas kind of thing in Brazil? I don't think so. For, like, for example, here in Brazil, the problem, I, I used to think about a lot about United States and Brazil, the difference because I live in both countries and stuff like that. And I guess the difference, I was, I was uh, seeing a video about this this week, and I guess the difference it's because in the United States, what happened with the segregation, right? So black communities basically is like, no, you're not alive here. Go with your own people and white people here and black people here. So I guess this makes the black people create a huge community and say like we stay together, we stand together, and we fight for each other and stuff like that. And here in Brazil, this has this racial uh, equality that doesn't exist at all, but they like to say that it exists. So people, so people is basically like brainwashed to believe that they are like it doesn't exist racism and it's not that bad and it's just like yeah it's okay it's real life everyday life and you know they don't really associate like the issue with racism the issue with black people and yeah because it doesn't affect that happen. Exactly. No, but even even if you're fasting, for example, if you go inside the favela and you talk with some some Chinesians and stuff like that, they are not gonna understand that the racism it's what happens. The racism is what puts probably like the they don't have that much opportunity, their family doesn't have that much opportunity. So yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, what I'm gonna do? I need to put food in my family's table. So I'm gonna go inside the traffic and get some money from there. I want a nice clothes. I never have this opportunity to have nice clothes, nice sneakers and stuff. And they start doing bad stuff. I'm not saying like it's okay. I'm not saying like they are right and stuff like that. But it's it's a fact. You don't have that much opportunity, you know, especially for black people. But they do not understand. They they think like it just is just I am here in the favela and everybody's straight like this and yeah, that's it, you know. But it's not only it's white people, of course, they do because they benefit, they benefit from this, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting you say that as much as it de- as much as 
people think um, the change has to come from politics, which I agree to an extent. Like when you talk about our generation, like people like you and me, we seem to be doing a better job in educating ourselves than the previous generation because, you know, some things that were a lot more taboo back then, whether it's LGBT or things like that, is much more, it's not perfect, but at least we're starting to educate ourselves. But not as many young people like us are getting into politics. So if politics is one of the major ways to change things, and young people aren't being involved in politics, aren't you going to still have these old white men running things till they die and their old white kids taking over from them? Like, how do we then encourage or, or ensure there's going to be change in the next 50 years if we're not participating in politics? Like, the YouTube generation, are there, we aren't really interested in politics. I have a podcast, like, I talk a lot, but, like, how political am I? You know, that kind of thing. What, what do you think we need to do to change that? Or do you think like politics is a component that or we can focus on education and focus on other things that can kind of like support? So I, think, I think here in Brazil, they, the politics may, um, like people believe that it's too complicated. Is everybody that's inside the politics is corruption and nothing's going to change, you know? Like even for votes, some people don't go to vote that they believe that it's not vote don't count. Exactly. They believe that nothing's going and here voting versus mandatory and still some people don't go because they you know whatever, you know, it's always the same message. Wait, what do you like mean voting is mandatory in Brazil? If you don't vote, what happens? You go to jail or you pay a fine or something? No, no, you don't go to jail, but you have a fine, you know, you need to pay something and stuff like that. Yeah. So basically like was this and then I think this this misunderstanding of everything's too complicated, even for me, you know. I think like for example, if I wanna go inside the policy and stuff like that, how I start, how do I start, how who I need to talk, who I need to communicate and stuff like that, I think it's not clear. And they do that because they want to do this way, because they want to be hard, because they don't want to take up people, uh, another people, you know, they don't want to give the space in the politics to another people mm -hmm. because they benefit they from that. intentionally you know? complicated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's too complicated and it's too like people think probably, oh, I can't do this, you know, it's in Brazil and it's not here in my city. I need to fool over that. I don't have money and stuff like that. Um, I don't have how how you communicate with a party and stuff like that, you know. And also, but but one thing that I think is changing here was last 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 time that we voting, like we voted for deputies and stuff like that. I don't know if say this way in English, like primary ministers and stuff like that. And we vote for them. And I saw, like especially here in here in, in here in Rio and in São Paulo, like a lot of people that more black people, more LGBTQ people, transgender people get into politics this year, you know? So I see it changing, not in the way that I like, not like, not as fast as I would like to see, but it's changing time to time to time. I think like nowadays I see people speaking way more about politicians than before, you know, when I was younger and stuff like that. So I think they they are trying, you know, a little bit to change this. But yeah, I think basically in the whole world, not only here in Brazil, we need to make things less complicated, you know. Yep, yep, that makes sense. And maybe that's where we can focus on our strength, right? If 
software is so, if our generation is so good in educating and putting out content and things like that, maybe that's a start. Maybe we just need to educate people about the right things, educate people about politics in an in interesting and digestible way that will make people then want to gravitate towards politics as young people. Maybe that's a good start. But man, I mean, we can talk about this all day. I I'm really happy that, you know, you got to to be on the podcast. I mean, we've been going, I've been loving our conversations, you know, going back and forth. And even after the episode, you know, we'll continue our conversations on WhatsApp. And I still need to have that interview with you in Portuguese when you become a flight yeah, attendant. Sure. Um, but, but kind of like as a way to just wrap up, I, I like to give my guests a few minutes at the end of the podcast. If there's something you want to say to your future self, if there's kind of like a message you want to put out there, or if you just want to tell people to follow you on social media, or if, if you know, people are interested in continuing the conversation, you want them to reach out to you, whatever it is, uh, you kind of have the floor to do that. No, it's basically like, I would like to say, like, for people like me that are black people, not only black people, but people of color, basically, keep fighting, don't give up. It's important that we, I know it's hiding, sometimes it's too touchy, sometimes we don't want to talk about this stuff. Another day I was thinking about, like, I am a black person and I like to talk about racism because I know this is the way that we're going to share the stuff, but we are not only this, we are not only racism, we are not only about slavery, you know, we, we are people that like to talk about makeup, about hair, about whatever, you know, anything. We are plural. We are not only one kind of person. And also, I would like if it has white people watching this, I would like to, to address them to say, basically, like, fight with, uh, you know, if you you have privilege and you think this is not right, so put your privilege over there and fight with us. Because not only, I know that we have all the strength to fight for ourselves, but we need other people as well in this, you know, to make a society equal because we are all together in this society. So it's not the it's not only benefit for black people. You know, I was talking with my mom another day, and people don't understand at all why the violence here in Brazil happened. It's exactly because inequality, it's exactly because little person has a lot and a majority has almost nothing, you know. Um, and then I just, I just uh, like to do uh, to say like some names of people, black people that that probably normally kids that was killed here in my city, here in Brazil, doing the police violence, and they they didn't deserve this, and I think they their name needs to be heard. So João Pedro, 14 years old; Agatha Felix, 8 years old; Maria Eduarda. 16 years old, 25 people in the favela Jacarezinho that was killed at one single police operation. And also Miguel Otavio that wasn't killed by a police, but he was basically like what happened. He was with a white woman that his mother was a maid and his mother was like um, walking with the dog of this white person. And the white person didn't have the patience to take care of her some white while her was with while his mother was with her dogs and she put him inside the elevator and pressed the nine button to him go to another place you know and he was just five years old so he get out of the elevator at the five at the the ninth floor and he felt from there to the floor so we just like we, i just would like to say that you know like we are people too. We, the, the dogs wasn't important at that time, you know. 
and the woman could have taken care of the kids. Yeah. So yeah, just 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 little, you know, to remember their names. Man, may 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 their family find peace. That's that's crazy. And and thank you for highlighting, you know, those names. And I think those two points you kind of like wrapped up with were very succinct and very powerful. Like black people or people of color are not a monolith. You know, it's not all about slavery or racism. We're normal people who have jobs, who have families, who like to have fun, who like to live our lives. But there's just this thing that keeps interfering with us living our lives to the fullest, you know, and that's why we speak on it so much. But we're not all about that. And we're definitely not a monolith that we're not the smokers who are all criminals <laughs> and, and for exactly. non-people of color it's important for them it's not enough for them to be to not be racist they also have to be anti-racist using their privilege to step into positions where they see a minority is being taken advantage of and intervening in that situation even if they find themselves in places of politics or being a boss to provide you know that leadership and guidance you know i, I, w- I once worked in a place that she couldn't realize, you know, we, we funded someone who wanted to buy a, a, a truck or something. And the person was complaining that the truck didn't have a CD player or the car didn't have a CD player. And, you know, that the, the white the, the white person I was working with couldn't understand because she was like, who uses a CD player that all the music you need is on Spotify and YouTube and SoundCloud and all these things that all you need to do is just connect your phone to your car and you can listen to music for days. But she didn't realize that not all music is on Spotify. This person we're talking about, I think he came from, um, I want to say he came from um, Somalia. I want to say he, he was uh, Somalian and Somalian music isn't on Spotify. <laughs> So what he did from Somalia to, you know, send him physical CDs of local musicians. And that's kind of like his way of like remembering home. So he plays it. So him not having a CD player in his car was much more important because it's robbing him of a sense of home because he can't listen to Somalian music or that music. So, you know, she just couldn't understand because that wasn't her world, you know, and, and things like that. But if, you know, you're tolerant enough, you're patient enough to understand people who don't look like you, maybe, you know, you can be able to provide guidance and interfere and, you know, bring more positive light to the situation. And that's why this podcast, in our only two way, we, we tend to highlight these things, talk to people from different backgrounds, and maybe someone, even if it's just one person who's listening to this, can make some kind of change out there in the world. Yeah, definitely. So Mayara, I want to say thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. If you guys want to follow the podcast, it's Culture Class Podcast all over social media. Search for us, follow us. Um, click on the link on our social media. We appreciate contributions so we can keep doing the things we do. If you want to advertise on the podcast, the link is also on our social media. Or you can go to our website, it's cultureclasspodcast.com. Check us out or send us an email and let us know what you think about the episode. All right, guys, till next time. Be well.